Howie. I dominated even more than usual. Duck. Yeah, I don't think so, Howie. <laughs> Triple M's winter breakfast. This man beside me, on day one, one shot of coffee. On day two... <laughs> He's gone the double shot. On Wednesday, he's gone the triple shot. Today, he's going where no man has gone before. He has just ordered a quad shot. The quad. Oh, is that safe? Yes, it's safe, Harry. I don't, I don't normally drink coffee, as you know, but uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd, I'd try it for breakfast radio. Well, I'm a bit worried, where, you, so far. I'm a bit worried where you're going because uh, day one, as I said, one shot. And yesterday, you had a jacket on. The day before, you had a nice shirt on. Today, you're in shorts and the thongs shorts. and you've taken it really down a level. Well, I, well, I haven't uh, got much on today. I've, I've already had a bit of a blunder. They well, say, you've had a Rose, stuffer. Rosie's been telling me all week, she mm. said, you get breakfast brain. You do. Is that what you call it? Yeah, breakfast. you're hopeless this week. Okay, so breakfast brain. So What's happened? This morning, well, Stephanie's away for work mm. and I've, it was up to me to organise uh, a sitter because our sitter is currently in Dubai and overseas and all that sort of stuff. So, so no sitter. So no sitter. So I've gone and organised, I thought, a sitter mm. this morning at five to five. Buzzer goes off. Okay, come up. Hi, how are you? So she hasn't met. By the way, Charlotte, she'll be asleep. Don't worry about her. She'll wake up about 8.30. I'll be home about quarter past nine. You've got 45 minutes of work. It's going to be the easiest gig. 30 seconds later, oh, another young lady there. So A double a, sitter. A double sitter. So she comes <laughs> up and I, you can't turn anyone away at five to five. I just said, come up, hi girls, meet one another. Sit there, Charlotte will wake up a quarter. So they've got an easy gig ahead of them. So, Very easy. Uh, two sitters, one baby. Two sitters, one baby. Yeah. I, I hope your sitters don't end up like your coffees or by the time you get home, you'll have four of them. <laughs> Wimbledon continues, more rain delays. You can see it all on Fox Sports. They're dedicated 24-hour Wimbledon channel, Fox Sports 505. Coverage will begin tonight with Wally Masu and Adam Peacock hosting the daily serve at 8pm, followed by live coverage from 8.30pm. They'll be juggling the schedule as we speak as Wally Masua joins us on the line from the All England Club. Good evening to you, Wally. Bernie Tomic, he got the job done in the final set over Fernando Vadasco. Yeah, it was a good win in the end, but um, I think it was good that play was delayed at two sets all um, due to rain because I think uh, Badasco was winning the physical battle. Um, one set sprint today. They did have one more rain delay at 5-3, but yeah, I kind of felt like Bernie controlled the uh, the fifth set pretty well. I mean, he's got a much better grass court game than Badasco, and it showed in the end. Let's have a listen to Bernie Tomic post-match. It came probably at a time probably we both needed. Um, start of the fifth set was... Uh, it was going to be tough for me because I was a little bit tired in the in the fourth set, but uh, I was happy to get that momentum to stop. I think, and uh, it was just a pain. The last 24 hours was very tough because you have to go to sleep, you have one set to go, um, and then to come out playing well. And it's just one break of serve, and it happened to be that one break of serve. So I'm very happy that I won in the end. Hey, Wally, does it mean anything? I know it was rain delayed and, and you know, they obviously got a massive breaks in between the game, but does does it mean anything, the fact that he's had a five-setter uh, in round one? Yeah, I think it does. Um, if you look at the the good players, the guys, I mean, it's been so hard to win a major over the last decade because four guys have really dominated the field. Um, they're, they're really good at getting the job done pretty simply in the early rounds. And it's not, it's not like you're exhausted, but invariably something, you know, it could be an elbow, it could be a wrist, it could be a shoulder. If you have a couple of five-setters, something's going to give, um, and it's, gonna, it's kind of cumulative. So five sets in the first round is tough, but he's got a pretty good, I don't even know the guy he plays in the second round. I've never heard of him before. He's just a young <laughs> kid uh, out of Eastern Europe. So with a bit of luck, he can cru- if he cruises through that, um, but he does miss out on a rest day, he's straight back into it too. And I guess too, Wayne, it's the... It's the anxiety of getting ready for a match and then you don't get that day off and then you've got to sleep on a set and then you've got to do it all again the next day. So, yeah, it just wears you down a little bit, I think. Wally, the big story was the world number 772, Marcus Willis, coming up against Roger Federer. I'm fascinated with this guy. Well, I am because, one, because I think he's a little bit chubby for a tennis player <laughs> and I saw him on the news last night from a tournament last week having a Snickers bar and a Coke. <laughs> In all seriousness, <laughs> at his Snickers, mid-break set, he was. Having he, a was. Bar. he was. Wally be all over this. Uh, he got smoked in the end, as you would expect, Wally, by the great Federer. Yeah, look, he's the kind of bloke that if you went down to your local, it's, he's that guy. You know, he's the guy having a period of time. Um, but, you know, he's not without ability. You know, the guy can actually play tennis, but he, he's at least 10 kgs overweight. Um, 
probably just, you know, he's probably one of those guys that doesn't really believe in himself, and it'll be interesting to see what he does from here, because if he put in the hard yards, like if he actually put in a good pre-season, um, he's a much better player than his ranking. He's already going to be ranked around the 400 mark, but he'd, you know, he'd have to work his way through the challenges and the futures in all the small towns, in all the, the, the tournaments where mm. you're playing guys who are all fighting for survival, and it's not as glamorous as what he went through today playing Roger Federer on centre court. So that's really what it's all about. So it's kind of up to him which way he wants to go. Does he want to go back to his club and coach for 30 quid an hour, or does he want to give himself a bit like Sam Groth, really? You know, midway through his career, Sammy was playing uh, footy, and then he kind of re- you know rededicated himself to a sport, and he, you know, has done pretty well, so maybe this guy will do something similar. Wally, Pat Cash once told me, I was working on the Hopman Cup with him, that some of the pl- uh, players' major problem is the breakfast buffet. Uh, that seemed to be the case with your man, Willis. Yeah, well, look, we all like a good buffet, but then you've <laughs> got to go and run it off. And um, our man, Willis, has not been running it off. But I tell you what he has done. I tell you what he has done. He's got himself a very tidy... Misses. So, oh, oh, that's a positive. Hey, by the way, just uh, digress a little. That was my theory about uh, AFL teams travelling, the buffet. They eat too much the night before because, especially the single guys that sit at home, they don't cook and they, they eat too much. But anyway, that's digressing. What can we look forward to tonight, Wally? Okay, well, I guess Sam Stoza will be in action. We've got Bernie in action again um, from an Australian perspective. Um, Andy Murray will be on court. Stoza plays Lazicki. That'll be tough. Uh, Lazicki has beaten her on grass before and he's a very good player. Stoza does have a winning record against her. And we'd love to see Sam do well at Wimbledon, but it's never the grass has never been that good for her. Um, one good story, uh, Matty Barton, he's a Sydney sider. He's, he's 24 years of age. He's made 150 grand in his career so far. He is three all in the fifth in his first round. So that match is going to be carried over now for three days. If he can get through that match, he'll have a £50,000 paycheck, uh, which would just really send him on his way in, a, in more ways than one, points and money. So I've got my fingers crossed for him. He's a really good guy, and I'd love to see him get through that match. He's playing a Frenchman who's six foot eight and serves in excess, has sent one down at 160 miles an hour. So, wow. you know, it's not a pretty match, but kind of hope he can get over the line, but... Yeah, I guess we're just hoping for some decent weather. Summer has not hit. Uh, it's literally about 13 degrees here at the moment, so we're just waiting for summer. Just as we let you go, Wally, the £50,000 paycheck these days is about $9.50 US, <laughs> is it, for the young man if he gets through? Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. Australian dollar's not that strong, so it's okay. <laughs> we appreciate your time. We'll be keeping an eye out for you and Adam Peacock, the daily serve at 8pm, all the Wimbledon action on Fox Sports at 5.05. Thanks for your time, Wally. We really appreciate it. Good, good on you guys. Talk soon. Duck, we're about to play shortly some... Well, the chat we had yesterday with a, a fellow you know, a mate of yours by the name of Darren, who's struggled with addiction. And we just played a little bit of it before 7 o'clock, and I was saying, if you've got your kids, get them to have a listen. And I said, maybe if they're 12 or 13 or 14, I said to you and Rosie, oh, 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 this is pretty confronting. At what age do you think you should start to bring this up with your children? Yeah, I don't... Well, clearly, I don't have the answer oh, and We're not that. experts, not, no, but no, we're dads. Not, yeah, we're, we're not yeah. sitting here as experts. We're sitting here as parents. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I... I was I was saying to Rosie that I, I I thought well I think that um you know the conversation you know so Ella's ten now the conversation in and around um all things growing up mm. and I said well the the best advice that I could I can give I think is that you all kids we all make mistakes you know some of us more than others but we all make mistakes but make them your own I mean so. You hear so often that kids, you know, they, they do, they become followers and there's always, there's a leader of a pack and, you know, that, that particular kid might, for whatever reason, you know, want to do certain things and so many kids just follow and they fall into uh, making other pe- people's mistakes just because, you know, they think they want to fit in and all of those reasons. So if you can give your child the, the strength to say no and and be strong enough, you know, not to you know, not just to fall into line to, to fit in, uh, to be popular sometimes, um, then I think that goes a long way to them. Um, like I said, they'll still make mistakes mm. and they'll still do things that, uh, you know, you're not happy about, but I think that generally the, the, it'll be a lot less than if you're, if you know, you're a follower. So that's, I guess it's the strength to be yourself and be an individual 
and 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 be strong in and around that. That's that's what I'll be trying to enforce. And that's um, all I'm asking and, and you as try a to parent. Put on, and try to put on to Ella and Charlotte when she's obviously old enough. And I'm certainly not wading into a discussion with Sky, who's six, or Mac, that's four, about drug use. But they both know that smoking is really, really bad for you. You're not going to get into smoking. So that's something you bring out at a young age. But as far as the illicit substance, I don't know. I'm sure there are programs in well, schools grow, and when it comes in. That, you know, when, when you're my, you know, growing up, I remember sitting in the back of the car and, you know, dad windows up and dad darting away and, mm. and you know, I'm trying to put the window down. It was like, you know, it, it's just how it was back then. And I remember putting the, putting the, uh, you know, the, the window down, trying to get some fresh air into the car. And, but I remember from that point on, I thought to myself, I am never, ever, because of that, yep. nearly choking on secondhand smoke, I thought I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to smoke. All right, we'll hear from Darren next. As I said, have a listen. Uh, Darren struggled for 15 or 16 years with ice addiction. He is clear of the drug now, but it is a very confronting story. We're going to play to you next. We've been discussing addiction, Duck, I guess rightly or wrongly, on the wake of the West Coast Eagle reunion and what happened to Ben Cousins this week. It's become, once again, a talking point within the community. Um, you brought a gentleman in here yesterday, a mate of yours by the name of Darren, who spent 15 years struggling with ice addiction. He's managed to make his way through that now, although, as you'll hear, he says it's still a constant battle. Yep. But Darren sat down with us yesterday, but he started off by telling us where things started to go wrong for him. I played footy at Port Mole until I was about 28, 29, and um, never touched a drug. I, I, I drank alcohol, which was really bad for me. It was um, like I ended up in Pentridge at 17 on remand for an assault. And um, so I was an addict way back then and an alcoholic, but I never touched the drug to actually really stop in the footy. And, you know, like I, I'd put my finger in a bit of speed and that's where it started for me. So I thought I was just partying. You know I mean? You fast track 15 or 16 years and then all of a sudden you're an ice addict running around like Port Marlin, you know, shooting a gun off. Um, I ended up in a siege with uh, the police where, um, I had the gun in my mouth and like, uh, the police had probably, you know, 15 or 20 sh uh, machine guns on me and, um, you know, really I should have died that night and I didn't. So I sort of like this, um, I don't take that for granted. I, I sort of like, I'm giving back now, I suppose. And, um, I'm just trying to help as many people as I can. So what does the drug now, these are personal questions. You can choose to answer them or not. Yep. We want to make you feel as comfortable as you can. But what, what does what does the drug ice that we read so much about, what does it do to you? Why, why does it hook you and get you in a situation where all of a sudden you're fast-forwarded 15 years in your life? It just takes you out of um, just takes you out of the now and puts you somewhere else. And that somewhere else is um, it's a high. Um, Look, if I had the answer to that, yeah, I'd be a billionaire. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Um, I haven't got the answer to that. All I know is that the thing that I do today is a program, and I do it daily. Because if I don't, I'll end up in that situation in Bay Street three years ago. So, is it is is that when the penny drops? Though, when you find yourself in in that catastrophic uh, position, where you know. Is that when the penny drops, or does it does it come later? That wasn't the first time something like that's happened to yep. me. I've just got through the breaks, let's face it. Um, but that happened, um, that was the penny dropping for me. Um, but like I said, my rock bottom, I had multiples of them. You know what I mean? You, uh, so, so in saying that, do you have to have a rock bottom though to get off this? I mean, it, and like you said, at the end of the day, it comes up to you as an individual. You can go and have all the help. And, and seek the help, but at the end of the day, it comes back to the individual saying, no, I actually want to now yeah, that's right. get yeah. off that. Yeah, it does. It comes back to the individual and they've got to want to do the work. So what, like what? A, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but a wiser man learns from someone else's mistakes. Mm. So um, you do get people that come through, through and they, um, they're not as bad as some, but they know there's a problem. And so they put their hand up and that's a lot, it takes a lot of courage for anyone to put their hand up, you know. Actually, it will, so in saying that, so rather than you think that addicts learn way better off someone that has lived it, 
rather than someone that is purely learned out of a book, so to speak. So if you, if they look at you and say, well, you've been there, done this, you've lived it, you've got through the other side, you feel that has a much bigger impact than, than others. Definitely. You need the experience. You need to have the, the experience. If you haven't got the experience, how are you going to get the... Um the attention of the addict that's still suffering and it's hard enough to get through to through to an addict as it is when they're sick um but the per, the person that's actually trying to get through to them if, if they're they've got literally walk the walk and they can talk the talk what's the first step so you're at the bottom you think i have to do something here or it's not going to work out for me what's the first step does for you well the first the first step for me was i actually went to jail for 60 days so I never touched a drug for 60 days. What does that do to your system when it's, you've had it for 15 years? What happens physically to your body when you then go into withdrawal? I was actually, uh, the, the withdrawal on ice is, isn't too long. You know, it's not like um, opiate or anything like that. It's, uh, like, so like, but the mind, it, it affects the mind. So like even when I, was, um, when I was locked up, I was hearing voices and people yelling out to me. There was no one yelling out to me, you know, so... That sort of stuff, I, I was sort of like, um, yeah, it was spinning me out a little bit. But I ended up getting a um, bail to a rehab and, uh, like, I've never looked back since. And I, I, I welcomed it with open arms, you know. What, what happens in rehab? These are, these are very direct questions that I'm asking you because I have no understanding in some ways of what you're talking about. Some of our listeners will, some of our listeners won't. Yeah. So we hear that people go into rehab. What happens? It's actually, a, it's the safest place an addict can be. Um, there's so much resistance for an addict to go to rehab. I've been there, like, because I did relapse and um, I went back and I didn't want to go back. But um, it's such a safe place for an addict to be. Like, you think about, if you just, if you, if you know, you write up on a blackboard what you do in the street and what you do in rehab. Mm. It's so much safer. Right. And it's so much better for you. But when you're in, when you're in active addiction... You're, um, it's a struggle to actually be told what to do. You, that resistance is just so strong, you know, because you think that, I think it's the spirit, you know, the spirit's just, it has enough and yeah, I don't know. How, just, how quickly, how quickly out of rehab have you come before using again? To tell you the truth, I come out of rehab, I've done my 90 days. I um, went to a transition house. I, um, within say 90 days, within about 110, 115 days, I was using ice again. It was around the, 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 um, the race carnival, which I used to be a big punter and I used to, um, and I love horses and I love horse racing, but I don't bet today. But, um, just, just that atmosphere and that, and, and, and where we were staying was in, in the mini ponds area. So I really, uh, I really struggled and, um, you know, like, 120, I would say 160 days before that, I had a gun in my mouth wanting to blow my head off in the, in the middle of the street. So that's how strong it is. Mm. You know what I mean? It never, it didn't, did that never come into account that, that that's, that's, there's a consequential thinking. I just used it again, you know? And then, um, I went back to that crazy man again. So what do you do now? If you have, or do you have an urge, what's in place for you now to stop you going back to that bloke in Bay Street, Port Melbourne? Well, the thought, the thought, it's just a thought. So I don't, I don't, I, I just don't follow that thought anymore. I don't, I don't worry about it. I'll just let it go. Right. Like, like their thoughts, you know what I mean? That urge to, to use on a thought, but I don't have, I, 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 if I have a, if I have a thought, it's only a thought. That's all it is. So I let it go now. It's a decision. And your yeah. decision is to say no now. Oh, my decision is to say no now. And, yeah. you're, and you're strong enough to say no now. No, I'm not strong enough. I just work on it daily. Yep. If I don't work on it daily, I'll um I'll fall back in active addiction. No problem. So there's no simple fix. You know, what I mean, this is this is um once you sort of like make that decision that you, you you don't want to live that life you've been living, that that like I said, I work on it daily. You know, like I've got a lot of support. I support a lot of people, which helps me a lot as well. It's not about just receiving. It's it's really about giving and um, helping that newcomer that, that, you know, that needs that help. What's it like to talk about? I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's, well, a, part, that's a part of, uh, I guess that's a part of rehabilitating, talking about it. Oh, for sure. Like if I don't talk about it, then no one knows about it. I, yeah. You know, like it's just carrying that message. 
to that person that's still suffering. And there is hope for those people that are suffering, you reckon? There's hope for everyone, you know, like there's hope for everybody out there and you just can't give up on people. I've just um, got another another a guy that, that helped me out very early in my my recovery and I just got him back into this rehab because he's, he's really, really sick. And I've, I still like, I just, sometimes you just got to let people run their course. So I did, and then I just picked him up the other day, and I said, "Okay, it's time for you to go." So he's um, he's going back in today, and um, my life today is amazing. Like I'm building building programs at the moment to take uh, bring awareness to uh, the workplace in the construction, and that. And I've had some great support from uh, Bill Setches and Billy Ramsey from the Plumbers Union. They just got right behind me, and we're a great bunch of blokes there. So. Um, you know, like, like I said earlier, I couldn't see two foot in front of me. And now I'm sort of like building this, trying, trying to build this, I'm not trying, I am, I'm building this career, you know, and I'm doing it daily and it's, um, it's really working out for me. So, um, you know, you've hit me between the eyes, Duck. Um, Daz is your mate. We can only thank him for coming in. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Thank you very much. And, uh, and as he said, Riverside Clinic, riverside.com.au. Yeah, that's uh, it, yeah. Go onto the website if you're having any issues with, uh, with any substance abuse, get on there and uh, a man that's lived it. Uh, courageous, mate, to tell your story. Uh, no worries, and uh, we will, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll certainly push the message. Yeah, stay safe, stay fit and stay healthy, Daz. Thanks, man. Went to breakfast, Triple M. Well, that, uh, it, was, it was riveting radio, Howie. And uh, like I said, if, uh, if that can help anyone, then uh, and that's a great thing. And good on Darren for telling his story. I know. He was listening to say good day to Daz, where you are this morning. Uh, um, yeah, thanks for having a chat with us. Uh, our next guest is getting set to travel up to Sydney to take on the Sydney Swans. He's a star for the Western Bulldogs. He's also got two young children. So I might start by welcoming. Hello, Jakey Stringer. Hello. Great to speak to you. Just run us through your morning uh, so far at 7.36. What have your fatherly duties involved this morning? Oh, it's been a busy morning. Both kids are up at about 6 o'clock. So um, I just... Uh got the Peppa Pig running and I've just ducked off to train him, which is nice. <laughs> the Peppa Pig. Are you, are you a nappy changer, Jakey? Yeah, I actually am. Yeah, I do both kids, so have from the start, so. You've got a very little one at the moment. How old's your youngest? Uh, a little Arlo is about four weeks old. Right, so uh, yeah. your partner's up in the middle of the night a couple of times. What's the schedule? Yeah, yeah, so she's, um, she's probably up three or four times a night, plus... Uh, Little Miller still every now and again likes to let out a couple of cries. So, well, thanks for your time, Jakey. We appreciate it. We've got into the no, no. We'll talk some footy yeah. ducks busting to ask the footy question. No, Jay, I, I, I've never asked you this. Do you, do you like the nickname package? We were talking about it before. BT obviously named you that a, a couple of years ago. Is it something that sits comfortably with you when uh, when you hear it? Um, I suppose at the start it wasn't, but because it's sort of been there for two years, you sort of. You start to get a little bit used to it, but yeah, all the supporters and that love it, so it doesn't really affect me or worry me. Now, mate, the the, the team, sorry, the team is going uh, really, really well. You got a massive game at the SCG. You had a massive win there last year. Is that the only time you've played at the SCG in that game last year? Yeah, that's the only time I've played up there, and um, it was a really good win by the boys, but we're going to have our work cut out for us this week. Um, Sydney absolutely fine at the minute, so it's going to be a, a fierce contest up there, which we're looking forward to getting into. It was a great, it was a great win. It's a tricky, it's a tricky ground to play as a key forward, and that's where you've been playing. Although you have been pushing up a little bit more on the ball, which I think at the SCG you'll probably do a little bit of. It's it's one of those grounds that, as a key forward, you can get sometimes get caught under the footy. And at other times, if you're too deep, then you, you you sort of almost don't get to the footy. So it's one of the those grounds that takes a little bit of getting used to. Have you given much thought to the size of the SCG? Yeah, yeah. It was especially last year because it was a wet and sloppy day. So it was it was one of those games where you sort of you had to try and position yourself in that thirty to forty meters away from the the contest. And because the ground is small, you can get I tend to get you know caught up too high, and then at the same time you can get caught deep as well. So it is a really hard ground to play at. But I think between me and Jack Redpath, we'll be able to hopefully patrol the forward line nicely. Now uh, your side is the best contested footy side in the competition. You're coming up against Hanbury, Parker, Kennedy, 
Mitchell, these guys, uh, is it just a matter of saying, and I know you lost your last game against the Cats before you, before you had a break, but do you just take them head on? Is that, the, you know, you just say, okay, this is what we're very good at. Yes, they are very good players, but we'll just back what we've been doing good all year. Yeah, we have to, and that's going to be the vital thing for us to get the win is if, if we do crack in hard and low and get first use on the ball and make sure we're getting the ball forward our way. It's going to be a, a fierce contest in there, but hopefully we can get on top of them around there. But like you said, the amount of great players they got going through, we're going to have our work cut out for us, that's for sure. Jake, your best of luck this weekend. Uh, obviously, your skipper, Bobby Murphy, when he went down, it was a big story. Equally as big when he decided that he would recommit to the football club. Did you guys get together as a group and were told that information? How did it come to you and how did you feel about it? Yeah, oh, we're all stoked. Um, <laughs> it's sort of coming out of the blue like we all just were going in for a normal meeting and um, yeah, Bevo got up and told us the news and yeah, literally no one knew other than Bob. Like, he didn't kept his cards very close to his chest and um, yeah, told all the boys but we're all stoked for him, you know to have your skipper stay on for another year is just unbelievable and you know it would have been a shame I reckon if he had went out on mm. on his knee and, and not tried to come back but he's doing everything in his power to get himself right and be ready to go next year. Now the Bont has been doing a very good job as stand-in skipper you get, uh, I think Easton Wood, does he come back in this week? Yeah, I think Easton... He's got a train today, and um, he should be very... I'm pretty sure he'll be right to play, so yeah, it'll be good to have him back. And Tom Boyd uh, is the other one that's the big discussion point. Uh, same sort of thing you'll just find out today? Yeah, yeah, we'll just find out today, but he's been going really well in the VFL, and um, yeah, he wouldn't be too far away, I wouldn't have thought, so it's good for him that he's starting to get a bit of form in the VFL, which is good. We're speaking to Jakey Stringer on the Winter Breakfast. The Western Bulldogs have hit their membership record for the second year running thanks to their wonderful loyal members. If you're yet to sign up, call 1300 Go Dogs and help them get to 40,000 in 2016. Uh, we're going to speak shortly, Jakey, to Matty Delavadova, a man from your part of the world. Have you, you no doubt been following his progress now that he hangs out with LeBron? Yeah, yeah, no, I've been following him all the way through from when he was at St. Mary's and. Um yeah, obviously on to bigger and better things in the NBA. But, yeah, I grew up with him and his family, so very close family friends, and it's, yeah, it's wonderful to see. Jakey, story. yeah, it is a fantastic story. We'll speak to uh, Delhi at about 8.30. We appreciate your time. When do you head up to Sydney, Jakey? Uh, we're up Friday morning, I'm pretty sure. Okay, we'll go easy on the breakfast buffet, and you should be right for a big <laughs> game. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Great to speak to Jake Stringer. Um, Lovely chap, young man with two children, playing footy, he's got a bit on his plate. He has, and uh, he, he is a superstar. He can, uh, he can seriously play the game. And you've got to remember that he is still just a very young man, very, very early in his career, already an All-Australian. I mean, it's a uh, good resume starting to build for the young man. Great to welcome Scotty. Scotty, is this like uh, the last day of the financial year? Is this grand final Boy. day for you? Do you wake up just excited? Boys, you've got your grand final. This, today is my grand final. This is the one day of my year that I am actually freaking relevant. But you guys have got your Premiership Cup, but my Premiership Cup is a tax deduction. So I'm absolutely pumped for this day. I've never heard you use the word freaking on the radio, and I can now understand how excited you are. Uh, I, I, I've been uh, saving my pennies for the last three weeks to try and stick a bit extra into super because uh, that's what I'm told what to do. I don't really understand why I do that, Scotty, but I know... Now it's a good thing to do. The best uh, tax dodge is still super. So for most of us, the money that we actually put into super pre-tax um, gets hit with a 15% tax rate. That's better than the average, say, 35% that we're going to pay uh, on average. So if you're earning 90 grand a year, that's going to save you 1850 bucks if you sold five grand into super today. And the story goes that if the Minister for Net Worth is returned on the weekend, which it looks like, looks like he will, mm -hmm. the pre-tax limits that you can put into super are going to drop from 35 grand for people over the age of 49 down to 25 grand for everyone. So what I would be saying, if you've got some extra cash, um, if you uh, are looking to put some money into the market or into super, you should definitely be doing that today. The other thing is deductions. Um, so last year, the taxpayers claimed nearly $20 billion worth of um, deductions. But I, I was saying this to the boys a couple of weeks ago. Um, the ATO is getting very, very sophisticated on cracking down on dodgy um, deductions. 
So I made the, made the uh, example that if you are a tradie living in Brunswick and you're doing your tax return or your tax agent's doing your tax return and what, they, what the computer can actually do in real time is go, right, I'm going to look at all the tradies that live in Brunswick. I'm going to see whether or not you've got higher work-related deductions than anyone living in your area doing that job and I'm going to send you out a letter saying, please explain. Now, the, government, the, the ATO sends out nearly 500,000 of these letters and it mm. results in an extra $1.1 billion wow. in tax being paid. So, you know, my view is um, if you're going to claim a, um, a legitimate uh, work-related tax deduction, you just got to remember the three R's. So the first one is real, so you've got to actually have um, paid for it yourself. Your boss can't have reimbursed it. It's got to be related to your work, and Mick Malloy likes to make the... Make the uh, the analogy that if you are a stripper, yes, you can actually claim your high heels and other related expenses. Uh, and then the third one is you've got to record it. Um, so you actually have to have, um, you know, evidence that you've actually spent the money. So my view again is download the My Deductions app from the ATO. It's really really good um, for tracking. Uh, all of your work-related deductions on the go, and if you're going to claim your uh, vehicle, which you should, if you're if you're using that for your job, um, it's got a built-in GPS track. It's really really good. So, given that uh, how he works in TV, how he could claim his haircut, his makeup, um, yeah, well, all of that. All if you are if you are spending money um, in order to generate an income, um, yes, you can claim that. The thing that I would say is this. You are still spending money. You're still out of pocket if you've got to if you've got to do it, even if you're getting a tax deduction. So my view would be, Howie, maybe I should be your manager, and I can actually negotiate on your behalf to have your employer pay for that because that's going to be the best thing for oh. you. It's the best thing for most people to do. Now, okay. sorry to sorry to all the accountants out there, but uh, you reckon it's just about time we ditch the accountants? I, I reckon so. About seventy percent of Aussies use a tax agent to prepare their tax return, and it costs them about three hundred bucks. So the ATO's got this thing called MyTax, which syncs all your bank data, all your super statements, all your share registries. It basically knows everything about you because they're trying to crack down on us. So the upshot is that you can do your tax if you've got a really simple affair. So maybe you've got some shares, if you work, if you're a patient uh, employee, um, you can do your, your tax in about five minutes on your phone. So if it were me, um, I think business owners, yeah, probably should have an accountant, but anyone who is just an employee should go onto my tax and do it on their phone in five minutes uh, and then join me and have a shandy because it is the end of the financial year. We're going to have a couple of boys tonight. We're going to be partying. I will just say that the Dow was up 284 points uh, overnight. Uh, the London markets have clawed back the devastating losses of Brexit, which happened last Friday. So it didn't take long for things to be, uh, to be back in good swing. We'll watch what the market does. Uh, today, you'll see all the fund managers trying to tickle up the market so that their uh, returns look a bit good, look a bit better in June 30. Great summation, Scotty. Enjoy the shandy. Just as we let you go, back to those deductions. So can Duck claim his moisturiser, his Vichy shower, <laughs> and his Botox and his teeth whitener? Can he throw all those in, or will someone at the ATO go, this bloke's starting to take it a little bit? Oh, I think the Duck needs to come and have a bit of a shandy with me, and I'll get him sorted. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, you do not need the Duck coming around for a shandy, especially on an important day for you like this pape thanks for your time can't thanks, wait to read guys. your column on the weekend thank you scotty pape the bear <laughs> investor tell me you hmm. haven't had sugar for three months now four months four months four months why Talking about cooking well I, I was with a couple of mates uh foolishly enough over a couple of beers which sounds a bit counterintuitive which has got sugar in it. exactly and they were telling me uh how uh, they they weren't they were drinking um straight vodka they were saying to me uh that they hadn't had sugar for this period of time. And I'm like, how good they felt. And I said, well, I feel fantastic every day I get up. Why would I try and get rid of it? I don't have a, I'm not a great sweet tooth, but I, yeah, I haven't had any sugar for four months. And there's been two things I've really noticed. Um, when I run with the beautiful Erica, Mrs. Howie at home, I really struggle to keep up with her, really struggle. She's a good runner. Now it is incredible the difference when I run. It's just, uh, I haven't had any dairy as well in that time. I just, just so much freer and easy. You just go to a whole other level of cruise control. It's seriously noticed a massive difference as far as running goes. Really? Yeah. Just by taking sugar, sugar and diet. dairy. The other thing, even doing this show, uh, normally at work, probably about three o'clock in the Arvo, I'll get tired. You mm. know, you, you, you yep. sit on the couch and you're tired. Yep. It doesn't happen. You're just a lot more, 
what's the best way to put it? A lot more constant. I'm not saying go out there and stop having sugar, but for me, um, I run a lot better. I feel a lot better. Um, you don't get bags under your eyes as much. I just feel a lot smoother and a lot more constant. Obviously, what I say, no sugar. I still have uh, natural fructose, sugar. Uh, fructose yeah, or natural an apple sugar. Or but, you know, it's crazy duck and it's... Well, it's disgusting in some ways, the amount of sugar that goes into food. I'll give you an example. When I was, you, you have to shop a different way because you look on the back of the labels. You know, the, I quite like um, beans as in the, um, the the three bean mix, etc. You know, in, in Coles at the moment, there's three types of three bean mix. Two of them with beans have sugar in them. Why? Why would a manufacturer put sugar in beans? You want to know why? Well... Because it tastes better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah, but people that are going to have beans think it's a healthy option and they don't yeah. realize there's sugar in it, let alone all the obvious ones like tomato no, sauce, Normal baked beans and all that sort of stuff has a lot of sugar, a lot of salt, all of that. Dark, terrible news in a sporting sense uh, came through yesterday that Sally Pearson, a lady that's won a, an Olympic gold medal at the London Olympics, the 2011 World Championships in South Korea, the 2014 Commonwealth Games title where I saw her run there. I also saw her run in Delhi where she was disqualified after she'd won the hurdles there. This is uh, a lady, as far as Australian athletics go, that is at the top, the top of performance and the top of the tree as far as Australian athletes have done in athletics. Oh, absolutely. Let's, uh, well, let's not, obviously, Cathy Freeman won a gold at the 2000 Olympics. And uh, other than Cathy, um, Sally has been, you know, our, our number one girl in terms of uh, track and field. And Sally Pearson has a better record for mine than Cathy Freeman. I know Cathy won. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm you know just, I'm just a discussion point. I think, yeah. um, I think that's, we all think. Freeman because she won gold at the Sydney Olympics, but you look at also Sally world Pearson's, cha- also world championship. Yeah, absolutely, but I think if you look at Sally Pearson's record, I think she's in my time the best female athlete we've had as far as athletics, pure athletics go. She spoke to Channel Nine yesterday when the news came through that she wouldn't be competing in Rio. It's heartbreaking and devastating that I can't be in Rio as the Olympic champion and, and try and run at 100% and be proud to represent my country. Um, it's just not going to happen this year. My body wasn't allowing it. When you see a train, I've had the pleasure of seeing a train in the warm-up to Commonwealth Games a couple of times and she, she goes out in the back warm-up track. It's incredible to see what she does and how clean and efficient and how fast like the twitch the fast twitch muscles she does a warm-up where she puts the hurdles out in front and steps over them and then she goes a little bit quicker but it's just such a fast crisp beautiful movement and the gap between where her knee is and where the Mm. hurdles is i know they talk about uh the technical side of hurdling she's it's unbelievable to see her doing what she does well they're so finely tuned and that's why they get these types of injuries that she's got it is a shame because uh you're right that's one of the things that we would have all been looking forward to her hopefully in the in the final of the hurdles yeah and she had that horrific incident last year where she busted where she her, wrist, her wrist which was yeah. almost like a car crash style incident so sally will be speaking at 10 o'clock today i think from what i am being told the good news is she hopes now to push on a career to her home Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, which would be fantastic. That that will be, if she comes back, that will be the premier event as far as Australia is concerned yep. at those Commonwealth Games. That'll be good. Yeah, so hopefully Sally Pearson's back up and running very soon. <laughs> Sally Pearson, we were just talking about the fact that she is out of the mm-hmm. Olympics. She has just spoken to the day, Today Show on Channel 9. She spoke about trying to keep positive. It's so disappointing, but you have to look back on on your good memories. I mean, we, we all focus on the negatives and everything's so negative and sad at the moment and I'm just sick of it. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep positive. I'm trying to, trying to keep um, my spirits as high as I can and, and make sure that I can keep pushing forward um, in the next few years. That, that's, that's my main goal at the moment. But at this very second, obviously, I'm trying not to, to focus too much on the negative energy and the, um, the negative injuries that happened to me in the last 24 months and trying to trying to get back and and just stay positive and be happy with what I've got at the moment and what I have achieved in my career and you know the messages of support are are really encouraging and um, I guess people don't realize that we actually see those messages of support Mm. personally Um, I read through them all the time and they really they really help me get through. Well, it's obvious why she's been such a star, isn't mm. it? She's just uh, had her Rio dream ripped away, and she's talking positives and yep. looking forward to the Gold Coast. So, well done to Sailor. Now, yesterday, Duck, I had the opportunity to have a chat with Maddie Delavadova, the new freshly minted NBA champion. It was a thrill. Uh, have a listen. Uh, you'll hear a bit about LeBron, a bit about winning a title, etc. This is Maddie Delavadova. Maddie, you're an NBA 
champion. Has it sunk in, and how does that title feel next to your name? Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. No, it hasn't sunk in yet, and I, I don't know when it will. It's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind, and um, yeah, just just happy that we could uh, for the city of Cleveland. Tell us about the journey itself, the actual NBA Finals. You were down 3-1. No team's ever come back from that. Your team did it. It was an extraordinary comeback in very difficult circumstances against what was a record-breaking team in Golden State. Yeah, I mean, the odds were stacked against us, down 2-0, down 3-1. Uh, two games on the road that we had to win. Um, and, yeah, just managed to pull it out against a, a great team that, had a record-setting year and, and beat us the year before. So, uh, yeah, just <laughs> it really hasn't sunk in yet, but it's an awesome feeling. The celebrations that we saw snippets of in the in the news, there was LeBron and uh, Kyrie and all your teammates wandering in there looking all very, very sharp, drinking very, very fancy champagne, and then I saw some shots of you in a Hawaiian shirt, double parked, with a Corona can in each hand, and I thought, well, you can take the boy out of Maryborough. It was a great scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a story behind the Hawaiian shirt. It's a bit of a inside team joke, but... Um you, you could look that one up, and then I asked for yeah, just a uh, couple of Coronas, and they didn't have bottles; they only had them in a can. So that was it. <laughs> Nasty rumours that later on in the night you were sighted <laughs> in a Collingwood jumper, which uh, feels surely that wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wore the next night. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the boys boys enjoyed that. And the parade itself when you got back to Cleveland, uh, Matthew, they were extraordinary pictures. I don't know how big Cleveland is, but I'm not sure many people stayed at home that afternoon. Well, there was reported 1.3 million people there, and uh, that's more than the city of Cleveland. People were coming in from everywhere, and just the emotion and passion that the Cleveland fans have for uh, their sports teams is, is not matched anywhere else, and um, it, it was just wonderful to be a part of. Obviously, watching the way you play, Matty, you're a, a very, very team-oriented man, and you win a championship, and teams never remain the same. I've noticed in the US press today, there's rumours linking you to possible contract offers from the likes of Detroit and the Milwaukee Bucks. They're talking ten million dollars. Now, I don't know how much to believe what I'm hearing in the paper, but do you have any idea at this stage where your future lies? And congratulations that you're being talked about in that manner. Thanks. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know yet. I, I hope I can get back to Cleveland and uh, keep it going there. But uh, as I found out last year, um, that it's a bit of a business, the NBA, and uh, yeah, you have to be ready for anything. So that'll all play out in the next few weeks. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but hopefully I can get back to Cleveland. The Olympics are not too far away. The opportunity to wear the green and gold in Rio would cap off what's been an incredible year for you, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I really can't wait for Rio. Uh, pulling on the green and gold is is something I dreamed of as a kid and I uh, never want to take that opportunity for granted. And uh, to to have the opportunity to go to another Olympic Games, but I can't wait to get started. Is there one moment in a season of highlights for you, Delhi, that stands out for you? Just a small moment that may mean something special to you in what was an incredible season? It's hard to pick just one moment because there were so many great moments uh, over the season, but uh, I think the Cavs Australia Day, that, that was pretty special for me. They, they played the national anthem and uh, showed uh, the game uh, live back in Maryborough. They had a big screen set up at the Australia Day celebration, so that that was pretty special. Hey, Matty, it sounds like you're still pinching yourself, and I can completely understand that. Thanks for having a chat with us. I uh, hope you get some downtime here, and best of luck moving on to Rio and whatever May next season will hold for you in the NBA. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Once again, very good interview, Howie. Uh, now, he mentioned the shirt. I've, I've seen the shirt. It's a shocker. It what's, is. Well, what's the story behind so it? So I've got to the bottom of it. There's a company that sells clothes in America by the name of Tommy Bahamas, and there's a uh, an, uh, they ran a print ad, and it had a, a model that looked very much like Kevin Love, one of the one of his teammates. So it became a concurrent theme throughout the season, and at the end of the year, uh, Delhi was the one to have to wear it at the parade. What about the fact they're mentioning him uh, for Detroit at ten million bucks? I think he's on about one point five, rumored at Cleveland. Oh, you have to, ten million. We have to go. Oh, correct. <laughs>
You've got your ring. Catch you later. See you later, LeBron. Georgie Columbaris, I don't know how he's got time with us. He's got the number one rating show on television. He's running six different restaurants. You're a very busy man. Thanks for giving us some of your time. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you in. We'll get into your restaurants in a moment. But firstly, Duck, uh, well, I'm going to embarrass myself here. We were in a meeting at Channel 10, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And they said, oh, yep, the, uh, you know, they show you what's coming up for the year. And they said, yeah, we're going to do a cooking show five days a week. And I remember thinking, this place is really, they are so far off the mark. Who's going to watch a cooking show one day a week, let alone five? I sit here now humbled by the performance uh, once hey, again you know, of your well, show. When they signed me up and they said, we're going to do this f- you know, five nights a week, six nights a week, I sort of went, what? <laughs> that is, that, that ain't going to work. But hey, look, you know, it's been incredible. And I sort of, I say it all the time, you know, I pinch myself every day. You know, I'm, I'm very lucky and very privileged um, to be in this incredible position. It's wonderful. All the cooking shows, obviously a lot, and, yeah. and I love uh, love MasterChef, as I do the other one, MKR. I love that yeah. as well. But um, yours, I think yours was the first. Yep, I think yours was. was the first one out. What I love about it, Howie, is it, it brings out the cooking in us all. Mm. We all, mm. all of a sudden now, want to cook more. Is that one of the pleasing yeah. things that uh, th- you yeah, get from it? Totally. I mean, you know, I love the fact that young kids are, you know, showing me that pictures of the macaron they made on the weekend with dad and, you know, and you'll pass a building site and, and big burly guys in their high-vis vests come down, hey, chef, and show you something that they've cooked. And, yep. you know, I think that is just yeah. awesome. You know, when I started my apprenticeship 20 years ago, my best mate sort of went, what, what are you doing cooking? <laughs> What's that? You know, and look now it's become, it definitely has become sort of cool. It and has. People, people are enjoying it. And I, it's nice to see kids around a, a kitchen rather than their iPad all day long. You you've know? made chefs rock stars and congratulations on that. Um, 7.30 tonight on 10. And then you've got a special with uh, the fellow that everyone talks about, uh, Heston. Yeah. Um, that's on 8.30. He's going to apparently teach you how to cook a chicken. Um, Actually, what, is, what is it about this? dude Heston that he can fly in and open up a pop-up restaurant and charge enormous amounts of money. Yeah, yeah look, you know, I, I'm, he's a very, very close friend of mine and I've spent time with him over in, in the UK. And if you see what he's doing, that no one's doing it in the world. The guy's uh, a super genius when it comes to the creativity and thoughtfulness of food. Well, and, what does that mean that you're a genius? Just uh, you know, you know what, there's, there's, there's not many chefs right now or have in the last 10, 15, 20 years invented stuff. You know, we're all taking ideas from right. each other. We're all, this guy has single-handedly, and there's been a couple of other chefs, invented stuff in food. And that is pretty incredible. I mean, it's it's amazing. Have you been surprised by some of the contestants that have come in and talk about inventing stuff when they've mixed certain ingredients with mm. others that you thought initially, yeah. that's just not going to work. And then you've tasted it and gone, wow. Yeah. It actually, I've, I've learned something here. Yeah. It works. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's, what's really lovely about these, these contestants is they've got no, they've got no baggage, so to speak, where you take on, I mean, my, my chefs in my teams, you know, they're, 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 they're trained, you know, they're process driven. Yes. They've got creativity, but it's all very calculated where these guys come in and go for it, you know? Let's go back to the chook because uh, I look. I I just buy my chook from Coles or Woolworths because I they are the most succulent chooks and they're easy. And I cook the veggies in and around it because every time I've tried to, I mean, look, it sounds easy just to yeah. you know do a chook. And obviously, yeah. you know, you're going to be tackling that tonight. Mm. Um, mine's always dry. Always come, never comes yeah. out succulent. What what what's the secret? Can I tell you the secret is if if you got a, one of those barbecues at home with the little rotisserie yep. on it, stick it on there. I mean, it's one of the ancient ways of cooking. You know, uh, birds and you know even uh, you know guinea fowl and all that type of stuff. But you put it on there, and what you get is this. Um, uh, incredible consistency because you got to remember the leg and breast cook at different times. But when you when you put it vertically on a skewer around heat, so it's it got cooks to perfectly. Right. If you're doing it in the oven at home, which is fine, which we, a lot of us still do, um, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of a knack. And the best thing you can buy is a little probe to check the core temperature. Um, and that will give you a more accurate, you know, uh, reading of where the chicken is at. See, this is the type of stuff this man brings to the table. You well, need a I'm, probe, duck. Yeah, you need for a probe, chicken. duck. Now, I actually was listening to you. I listened to you boys and, and I was t- listening to you the other day talking about food, well, which was we, some, we, some well, interesting dishes. Well, well, we'll get to that because uh, I'm obsessed with soup at the moment. So when we, we're going to keep you on after a song, I want to know the number one soup recipe you've got for me. But yeah. before we go to, to a song... It'd be fair to say, George, after a Friday night at the footy, a Saturday and a Sunday, if I get home on a Sunday night and there's a, a Twilight game on, I, I don't really need to watch it. Now, I watch you on MasterChef. 
have to eat and eat and eat and eat all these dishes, and you have lost a lot of weight. You're an incredible yeah. Nick these days. Do you get home and think, oh, I just couldn't face eating now? How much do you eat on a typical day oh, of shooting? On a big day of shooting, when we're tasting 24 dishes, you're tasting a lot of food. But, you know, in and around that, I won't do breakfast, I won't do lunch, I won't do dinner. Um, and, and it's like copious amounts of, of, of green tea, you know. it's uh, <laughs> So I've sort of worked out my, my schedule, you know, in the day. Matt and, Matt and Gary, they like to indulge in and around, <laughs> in and around uh, those 24 tastings. Um but yeah, look, you know, and, and and what it also does is it gives everyone a fair opportunity of, of the taste being right. You know, we know that an entree always tastes great, doesn't it? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. And you're going to think I'm, I'm a, you might think I'm weird for thinking this. I already do. But I, you ask question. I focus on how you guys actually taste the food. And I reckon you're the most eloquent. You well, there you go. Just place it in there. You're very smooth. You know, your mouth's closed. It's an elegant perfection. Do, do you, is that, how many takes? Is that a one take? Or? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a one take. Um, it's funny you say that because N- Nigella, uh, who was absolutely wonderful when we had her on, she caught me licking my knife and, <laughs> and she absolutely went to town on me. I'm like, all right, calm down. And as she's going to me, I'm licking my knife again, yeah, you know, to wind her up. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, Thank you for the compliment. I don't, I don't know Jeez. why. I just, I just think because I wonder if they get a, you know, a bit falls out the side of the mouth, but it never does. It's perfect. <laughs> Master Chef again on tonight on Network Ten, and then a special with Heston, and it's a great treat because uh, we both enjoy a bit of food to have Georgie Columbaris in here. Georgie, love your soccer, Duck. Mm. I played a game of soccer with George. He was my captain. Oh, uh, you, we oh, played for Melbourne no, Victory. <laughs> always somehow brings it back to himself, Hal. You, know, this well, is the, you did all right, Hal. Oh, is, well, is this the day he kicked the three goals? Well, if you call a hat-trick all right, oh, I guess that's all right, yeah, George. Look, I did, but we did lose, didn't we? We did, we I did. I don't forget that stuff. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't really my fault. I did my part of the job. <laughs> uh, you, you've been watching Euro. Um, yeah. If you haven't heard this, I need to play some commentary of the Icelandic commentator. Well, you've probably heard it, but I enjoy it as well. I, I do love listening yeah, to it. Give it a roll. Come on, roll it. We were in here watching it. I was saying to Duck, this is going to be a really big story, yeah, Duck. I, I thought he was overplaying it. I thought not, yeah. not everyone's interested in this uh, story. How it, it, it it's was incredible. It's a massive, incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I, I, I woke up and watched that game and they were brilliant. They were. They were absolutely clinical, you know, and they, they were united. They played as a team and it just goes to show, I mean, you know, that, that England team on paper, that put for putting the dollar signs aside of what they're <laughs> yeah. worth. Yeah, I mean, they were they were they were horrendous, you they know. Were. And and the and the big boys of the team didn't lift. And it was it's really sad. It's really sad for English football. But uh, good on Iceland. Go for it. It's, yeah, it's going to be an incredible round of eight. That's well, they sure. take on France next. Now, listen to this, Duck. The press club this man owns, Ghazi, the Hellenic Hotel, the new one, the Hellenic Republic, the Mastic, and Jimmy Grant's, uh, which you've got places all around the shop. What, why do we just keep opening them? Yeah, it's a good question. There's got to be um, a lot involved in getting a restaurant up and running. It is. You know, um, we, we just w- opened uh, the Hellenic Hotel in Williamstown, and that, you know, that's been three years in the making, that what's one. People are cuisine? raving what's about it. What's the cuisine? Too. So it's, it's sort of a, it's, it's a beautiful old pub. It's old, the old Hobson's Bay, and we sort of kept the whole integrity of the pub, but sort of gutted the inside. It's, it's, a, it's a pub food with a Greek touch. Nice. Um, so, you know, mm. actually our, our, our most sellable dish at the moment is our roast chicken. So yeah, when you want, come down and check it out. But yep. uh, yeah, look, it's, um, I don't know, I'm obsessed by it. I absolutely am obsessed by restaurants. I mean, you know, we talk about MasterChef and all that. I love that. Don't get me wrong, but you, 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 there's a great feeling tonight. I'm, I'm working inside my development kitchen and I'm just, I'm excited What's by it. What's a development kitchen? So it's a kitchen next door to the press club that we do all the development for the dishes for the press club. Right. Um, and I've, my chef in there works in there full time working on all the ideas that I've got pending, you know, and, and tonight we'll have 10 people in there that will come and experience stuff that we haven't, 
you know, we haven't uh, put on the menu yet. How do you get to be one of those 10 people? Well, through you, I mean, if you, you follow us online and, right. and that type of stuff, you, you can book yourself in, but yeah, it's, and it's exciting because we'll put dishes up that some of them don't even work and they'll be failures, but that's okay. That's the whole experience. I love uh, are you a workaholic? Are you across everything? Do you get to it yeah. all? Do you want to have your, you know, hand in everything? Yeah. I, I think I've gotten better over the time. Um, you, you sort of learn to relinquish and trust and, and that I do. I'm very lucky. I've got some incredible head chefs and restaurant managers that have been with me for a long time and I put a lot of trust in them and, and allow them to be, used to be just, I used to be this sort of egotistic, you know, it's, it's my way. That's the way it is. <laughs> Where now I've realized, no, it's, it's a tapestry and, and that tapestry is made up of lots of people that, you know, understand the dream and they've got dreams as well that I understand. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really lovely and I, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. And what an incredible country to be doing this. Oh, and I'm absolutely. so, I'm so, you know, I'm so lucky to be an Aussie and lucky to be doing this here because we're so acceptant of any great food, you know, it's fantastic. Now soup, Georgie boy. Soup. I, I've been trying to eat a lot healthier. So I've been having a lot of fruit and vegetables and I found vegetables. The best way to get it in is soup. I've become obsessed with soup. Uh, it's a little place down where I live uh, in Barwon Heads, a starfish bakery. And next to that orange, they've been doing some Ooh. magnificent soups, really good soups. But Ching, ching. No, well, well, well yeah. <laughs> That's not why I did it. We're a bit different to you. A bit different to you. Um, uh, pea and ham. W- yep. What's the key? Because I, I wouldn't know how to start. You got to love pea and ham. Get soup. to know your butcher number right. one, and and ask him for the. You want you want ham hocks, right? And even smoked ham hocks because they've got this really intense, lovely flavour. Pop that in a pot. Cover it with water, and don't overload things with vegetables. At the end of the day, what do you want to taste with pea and ham? Pea and ham. So people get confused by adding carrots, celery, onions, and then you start diluting flavor. So get a lovely intense stock using that, that, that smoked hock. And then from there, add the freshness of the peas to, to the soup rather than boiling it and boiling it and boiling it. And right. you lose all that fragrance and a little bit of mint, um, you know, peas and mint have this, uh, have, have a, have a, have a, have a same hexagon chemical. So when you add the two together, the same hexagon chemical, what about the, the passion Sorry, of the my, man? My palate, oh, yeah, I'm getting my, driven, I'm <laughs> losing my plot. My palate, my palate now is salivating. I know. Harry. I, I'm actually hungry. And all I can say <laughs> is I hope Erica, in a non-sexist way, she's by far the best cook, was listening to all that, George, because once you got into the hexagonal design of the soup, uh, it might have been out of my depth. Hey, listen, thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. MasterChef dominating again on tonight at 7.30. It's great to see you doing such a wonderful job. And people, get down to the New Hellenic Hotel in Williamstown. We need to get down there at some point. Get down there, please. We'll have a beer. Without a doubt. Good to see you. Good on you, George. Great. Thanks for coming in. Thursday night footy. Do you like it? I do like it. And uh, I think it's here to stay. We've got, I think we've got three or four in a row now. Yeah. Um, obviously not a, uh, not a massive game tonight. West Coast need to get a really good win. The Bombers, well, they've played some good footy. After a bit of a rest, that might rejuvenate this uh, young team because they have been competitive at times, but they were just starting. I, I reckon the, you know, the older players and a few of these young players that they've brought in just starting to get a little bit tired. So, Well, let's get to the Bombers. There's a couple of interesting points with them. A two-part question for you. If they finish last, some people don't believe they should get the number one pick. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. And two, when you look at the way they've been able to blood young players, the likes of Fantasia and Parrish and these guys, and, and the benefit McDonald, of that. McDonald, Tip and Woody, they would have never discovered. Another perfect example. How strong a side will they be next year? Start with the draft question first. Uh, draft question first. Yes, they should get the pick. Gil McLaughlin said a long time ago that if they finish bottom, they will get that pick. They've been punished enough. Simple as that. So move on. Yes. So uh, how quickly can they gel the old and the new well, the, the, next year? The big question is, I think for the guys, and I'm talking about the hookers and the Hurleys, if they re-sign him and a, and a few of the others, I think after a year off, they will be okay. It's whether some of those older players, and I, I guess you put Job in that category, you could all put Stanton if he, if he re-signs and if Job uh, re-signs how they'll go after a year off. But in terms of just looking at them purely as talent before they left and coming back in at, this, at that same level, they go straight back into the mix. I mm. think they're capable, remembering it was only a couple of years ago that they made the finals and then got knocked out because of this whole issue. So, and and with the, the, the blooded of these youngsters, Joe Danaher, another year under his belt, really tough year under his belt, being double teamed, being the only target. For all of those reasons, I think that uh, the Bombers can... Uh, can come come back in and and push towards the top eight. Play finals next year. Well, I I I don't see why not. 
I don't see why not. And West Coast, on the flip side of the equation, they made the grand final last year. They were wiped in the grand final, obviously, but they had a tremendous, tremendous season. Pretty much the same team. Not playing well, – well, they're actually theori- a team, theoretically yeah. a stronger team. I know Nananui's out at the moment, but uh, Mackenzie coming back into that side and Brown and a couple of others that were injured last year. So what's going on over there? Um, they're just not playing their, their best footy at the moment. Simple as that. They uh, they need to work a little bit harder. They're, clearly, they're a really strong team at home. They've, they've actually lost a game at home now, as we know, but um, they'll beat Essendon. There's no, there's no question about that, but they have to hit some form – in the second half of the year. Because I, I think a lot of us thought that they would uh, be certainly in the grand final, if not winning it. Right now, they're behind the likes of Adelaide, Hawthorne, um, you know, Geelong, Sydney. Who's the Greater, we- right greater Western Sydney. You had to pick one team. I know it's difficult. You had to pick one team. Uh, one team now. Why well, you, you just can't go past the Hawks. Okay. Uh, big show we've got coming up tomorrow. We will be crossing to Iceland to get the uh, feeling on the ground. They take on France in Euro in the... Round of eight this weekend, which will be something to look forward to. We've got Clown of the Week, where you might get a couple of runs in that one. James Young comes in to talk gig guide. How's your sort of local music scene knowledge? Uh, not good. Rosie, so, you might need to bail us out on that one, I would yeah. have thought. Um, <laughs> sort of not really my area of expertise, well, but good we'll get Jimmy in. We might find out where to go. That's right. Uh, Keith Moore, who's written a really, really interesting book about, you know, that Calabrian mafia where you saw the pictures on the yep. news of the ecstasy tablets in the, I think it was the tomato, tomato cans. Tomato cans, yeah. He's coming in as well. So a lot to get through. Ducky, you go and enjoy your day. Get rid of the two babysitters. You double book the babysitters. Double so you can. How much has the show cost you today in babysitting? <laughs> <laughs> too much a fair old way have a wonderful wonderful Thursday stay safe we'll be back at 6am tomorrow on the winter breakfast on Triple M